And I'll never forget, I think this is the very first time, a student walked over, over to him and said something which wasn't public. I saw him nod. And then all of a sudden, the student grabbed a microphone and pointed over to Kelly and I. And it was in the middle of the worship, or just as the worship was ending, and um, asked us to stand and prophesied over us. I think it was the very first time that someone ever prophesied over us about a call to ministry. And um, there could have been others, and maybe I'm getting my order confused a little bit, but this was, this was, we were pretty much newer to the church, maybe three years or so in the church. And there was stuff going on inside of us. There was, there was things burning out inside of us, like we were just so passionate for the things of the Lord, and we were just so hungry for more of God. Um, but it was prophecy. Prophecy is, is someone hearing from God and sharing what they're hearing from God with, with a person or with people. It was a prophecy that launched us into the next step of believing that God had, not only sensing in our spirit that God had called us, but having something confirmed through the Holy Spirit that God had called us. And from that time on, it seemed like there were so many people that God chose to call us out and identify through prophecy the call of God on our lives and various aspects and dimensions and what it would look like and, and all this stuff. And um, there's something powerful about prophecy. It, it was something that launched us, but when you think about it, prophecy is such a prominent part of the Bible and the church and the kingdom of God today. Um, I want to talk to you about that today. In fact, I've titled my message, Embracing the Power of Prophecy and Avoiding Friendly Fire. I'll talk to you about that. You might be like, what, the, what is this guy talking about? I, I feel like there's, there's something important, um, a teaching that the Lord has just laid on my heart that we need as a body. We need as a body to, to help us mature and move forward in the faith and into what God has called us to. Um, and so I, I want to share with you a little bit, but I, I want you to know that one of the reasons I stand before you today and my wife stands before you is because of something the Lord confirmed in us through prophecy. I, I, I'm sure he would have had a way to accomplish it apart from prophecy, but that's what he chose, that someone heard from God and began to identify what, uh, what the Lord was saying to him to us. And it was a powerful moment. It was a powerful moment. Prophecy is, is so powerful because it, it reminds you that, first of all, God sees you. And God knows you. And God has a plan for you. And he wants to reveal it to you. And so I thank God for people that hear from God. I thank God for people that have the faithfulness to not only hear but deliver it as he leads them. Amen? And so I want to talk to you today about how prophecy is powerful. So I share with you that prophecy is a person hearing from God and delivering it. And, and ideally, delivering prophecy is, um, and there's so many elements to it. It's timing, audience, like, when do you want me to say what I'm supposed to say? Who do you want me to say it to? Is this for me that you're speaking? Is this for the whole church? Is it for an individual in the church? And, and so hearing from God, there's, there's things that we, we need to hear uh, from him as far as clarity goes. Um, but it can create a powerful and miraculous moment. The other night, my wife and I, we, we went to eat somewhere Thursday night. And we're getting ready to leave and paying, our che- paying the, the bill and all this stuff. And, and Kelly, Kelly asked me, do you have a word for this waitress? And I said, no, I don't. And so I knew that she did or she was trying to uh, encourage me to ask the Lord for one, you know. But she did. And as she began to share with this waitress, and she's like, I'm going to cry even before you talk. You know, it was, she was so emotionally moved. And, and what was shared was very, uh, very powerful for her. 
And, and she asked, at the end, she, the waitress asked my wife, um, so you're a Christian, is this psychic? And, <laughs> and we had to describe that, you know, uh, you know psychics and mediums, is a, it's, a, it's a poor imitation of what God created. Because God desires to speak to his people. In an ideal world, we, we read the word of God, we hear from God personally, and, and God speaks to us. But he has chosen also. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to put prophecy above, number one, the word of God, or hearing from God ourselves. We need to be people that hear God's voice. Do you understand that? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. But there's times that a confirmation from God, or, or maybe we're not hearing right, or whatever, whatever God chooses to do, he, he chooses to send someone who has a prophetic word for us, okay? And, and I want to share with you in the Bible um, about this, because yes, the Lord can speak to us, and yes, the Lord is speaking to us. He's speaking to us. He speaks to us. Be in the word of God. You'll, the Lord will speak to you all the time. The Lord will, Lord will identify things he's trying to show you all the time. The more, in your, the more you're in the word of God, the more you hear God's voice. I am, I am fully convinced of that. Amen? Amen? The problem comes in when we can't hear the word, we can't hear the voice of God for ourselves, so we're always chasing after prophecies. That's not healthy. That's not healthy at all. Because God is trying to communicate to us directly. Right? But he supplements his communication through prophecy, and it's a good thing. Amen? So um, in the book of Acts, I want to start off with this passage here. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Um, Peter, Peter is standing up preaching his very first message that we know about. The very first message that Peter, Peter preaches that's documented in the Bible is after, after the Holy Spirit falls, the day of Pentecost, and he stands up and begins to provide um, um, a, a description of what is happening because, because the Spirit fell and people, uh, people from all different places are witnessing this and they're confused a little bit. And so Peter begins to preach a message glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says at the end of that message that 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. No microphone, no stage. Yeah, no speaker system, no lights and smoke and fog. He preached the word of God, and people got saved. Amen? But in the middle of that message, he quotes an Old Testament prophet named Joel. And this is what he says in Acts 2.17. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You might want to circle that if you have a paper Bible. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I would venture to say that everyone in this room is covered by that description in some way. Old, young, men, women, servants, not servants, uh, daughters and sons. I think it's, a, it's an encompassing statement that when my spirit comes and begins to occupy my sons and daughters, my people, there's going, to be, there's going to be prophetic activity that once was only reserved for prophets or those the Holy Spirit fell upon. You read the Old Testament, it was prophets that prophesied, or there were times that the Holy Spirit came and fell upon people like Saul or uh, King Saul, or people like that, they be, they, and it says, and they prophesied. But now he's saying, Peter's saying, first of all, that this is the last days. We're, we're living in a time period where the Spirit of God is, is dwelling, indwelling the people of God. Paul says that you are the temple of the living God, or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he's saying, he's saying here through recalling this, this prophecy uh, from the book of Joel that there's going to be prophetic activity. This prophetic activity is not for prophets only. It's for all people. 
It's, in a sense, an, an invasion of God's power on God's people. Where we see visions and dreams are aspects of the prophetic. You understand that, right? So there's prophecy, there's visions, there's dreams. There's aspects of God speaking. Remember what I described prophecy as? It's, it's God speaking and people communicating what he's saying. And so he could speak through visions. We see this all over the New Testament. Uh, Joseph, Jesus' adopted father, uh, you know, he had visions and, and people had visions and they had dreams um, but there was also prophecy. So this is what Peter's saying. He's saying what was spoken years ago is now. We're living in that day. We're living in the day where the spiritual activity is happening. You know? And you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's cool, and once I received a prophetic word, you know, or uh, whatever, but it's, it's more. I'm trying to describe more than just making prophecy real today. Okay, so, so let's go on, um, because really a prophetic word is a birthing place for a promise of God. It's sort of like the seed, you know, most times, not always, but most times that seed that's planted through a prophetic word doesn't, doesn't bear fruit immediately, sometimes, but many times it's, it's like, it, it's, a, it's a spoken word about what's to come or what's happening or what God is doing to open our eyes to a new reality of what God, what God has planned. And so in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, I want you to see something very powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And you might want to just write on a side note, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. I won't cover that. But there's a message that Paul is saying to this Corinthian church which carries a, a, a similar uh, directive to us today. And it says this. Follow the way of love. This is, okay, 1 Corinthians 14 is after 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. The love chapter is, is, the, is uh, the passages in there are shared many times at weddings. Love is patient, it's kind, you know, so on and so forth. Um, keeps no records of wrongs. And, and so after that chapter, there's a reference to love, right? There's a reference to love, tying prophecy to love. It says, follow the way of love, meaning don't, don't despise love, don't set love aside, and, you know, and means This and that, right? One and the other, right? There's an addition there. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, it says. Especially prophecy. So, in love, prophesy is another way it could be said. In love, desire to prophesy. In love, you should be prophesying. Yes, you. Not waiting for someone to prophesy for you or over you. But, but he's saying that prophecy, you don't need to be a prophet to prophesy. We all can prophesy, right? I, I understand I'm opening a can of worms, but I, I'm hoping I'll close it on the back end. But, but I want us to understand something. Because the Bible talks about prophecy as encouragement. And how many, don't raise your hands, but how many people do you know that call themselves Christians that are discouraged? Seriously, you're discouraged, you know, you're, you're questioning things, you're doubting things, you're frustrated about things, because I believe the body needs to do what the body's supposed to be doing. The Bible says encourage one another, right? Encourage one another. We should be encouraging. This is one method that God chose to encourage one another. Okay, so I, I'll go on. You, I hope you're understanding this. 1 Corinthians 14.39. So he starts the chapter with eagerly, follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Okay? On the back end of that chapter, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. So three times in one chapter and in, in one verse, he uses this word eager along with gifts of the Spirit 
And two times he identifies the gifts of the Spirit that we should be eagerly going after as prophecy. Now, there's, there's something here that I think a lot of the body of Christ hasn't gotten yet. Okay? This word eager, this word eager carries the idea of having great desire and to be jealous. To be jealous of, of not uh, operating or functioning in this thing. This word eagerly, eager, is, is something that, um, that we should be desiring and hungering after and asking God for. When was the last time you asked God that you would be able to prophesy? We're going to ask God for that today, okay? This is, the Lord's laid this on my heart. I'm doing this as a preventative, a helpful measure, but a preventative measure as well. And I'll get to the preventative part in a minute. But I, I want you to understand that the Bible gives a directive here right? That many times we think is for the other person. We think it's for somebody else. It's somebody else's response. Oh, I just don't do that. That's not for me. I don't do that. I, I don't see Paul qualifying anybody in this. I don't think, I don't see him dividing it out for, for those who have, you know, three years of discipleship training and and this much education or this much time in Christianity, serving your time, you know, then those people, especially if you feel the unction and the gift, should prophesy. He doesn't say that. Right? He's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to this body of believers. And he said, there's something the body needs. Why is this important to Paul? I, I'm going to answer the question the way I think. I, I think this is the answer. Because it's not self-serving. Because it builds other people up. Because it encourages people. Because it helps other people. Because it, it paints a picture of a destiny and a future and a desire of God. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a human motivation. It's, it's not a human encouragement. It's a divine encouragement. Hearing from God and releasing it to people. And, and Paul is saying three times in one chapter plus one verse that this is something that's important. This is the only gift that he, he encourages people directly to go after with this type of fervency, this type of passion. He's saying that the church needs this. The church needs this. We, we should be mindful and intentional about encouraging one another. Now, I can encourage you by saying, hey, you look great today. I love that outfit. Oh, that's amazing. You, did you do your hair? Oh, that's, that is awesome. You know? Um... You know, I, I, could, I can give you encouraging words from me. And I got to be careful about that, you know. I mean, nowadays we, we don't want to cross lines about how we encourage people. And I don't need to get into that. But, but then there's another, there's another realm. Let, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 3 for a moment. As God calls us to covet... Another word for that eagerly desire is covet the gift of prophecy for the benefit of others. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. He puts it in a, a framework. So love is the key aspect of this framework. You understand? He, 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 he says, follow the way of love and, right? So the framework is in love. So we don't use it as a justification to beat each other up. Oh, the Lord said, I mean, we're trying to, you know, did you ever have people try and tell you what they're thinking on, in their mind and in their heart, but they try and say it's from the Lord? You know, the Lord says he doesn't like your attitude. Well, are you talking in the third person and just interchanging, interchanging the Lord for you? You know, like, what's going on here? No, follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. See people through God's eyes. Call out the gold in people. Identify what he's saying to them, not what you want to say to them. You know? So in 14.3, here's, here's some more framework. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.3, but the one who prophesies, so I want you to prophesy, I want you to seek the ability to prophesy and seek words from God for people. Right? 
But when you do it, speak to people for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. So, so that means to me that that person should leave feeling a lot better after they've heard from you than before they heard from you. You know, a lot of times, again, people have used prophecy as a way to bully people. And, and it's okay if someone leaves crying if they're crying because they've been touched from heaven. Not crying because they feel, felt abused or exposed or ridiculed in the name of the Lord. You understand? So, uh, strengthened, encouraged, comforting. This is, this is what Paul's saying. Right? I'm not making this up. This is, this is what the Word of God says. They should feel strengthened, encouraged, and comfort, comforted. So, so in a nutshell, I, he, he's saying to us, I want you to learn how to prophesy, and it must be in love. It, it must be in a way that it, it would be as if God is speaking, because prophecy is God speaking through you. Prophecy is God speaking through you. Now, I want to just sort of give you a disclaimer. Stop disqualifying yourself. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You know, God can speak through a donkey. You understand? So I I think we're doing a lot better in this room than that. Okay? But God wants his people encouraged, strengthened, lifted up, comforted. He, he wants to speak, right? I mean, it's so powerful when you're sensing something in, in your own spirit from God, and you're just curious about it. You're not sure, but you're sensing it like, I think this is God. And then someone comes and just nails it. This is what God says to me about you. Boom. And it's the same thing you've been sensing, the same thing you've been gnawing on, the same thing you've been sitting on for a while, and you're sensing it's from God, and all of a sudden God confirms it. It's so powerful. I've seen it hundreds, perhaps thousands of times where people are so touched from from a, a shared prophecy, from someone taking a risk, from someone hearing from God and releasing it to an individual. I, I've seen it so many times And it can change people's lives. Prophecy is God's idea. It's God's idea. It's not some main focus of faith chapel. It's a focus of the word of God. Right? It's a focus of the word of God. And we want to honor what God is saying in that. Um, Now, I want to get to the uh, avoiding friendly fire thing. Because here's the deal. Not every prophetic word is 100% um, every word from God. There are times people miss it. There are times people have good intentions, but they make a mistake. And and I just want to give freedom for that. Do you understand? Like, kids learn to ride a bike, and they fall, they fall, they crash, they fall. But eventually, they get it. Right? We don't condemn them for falling. Right? We try and encourage them. And we want this to be a safe place. But for it to be a safe place for people to feel released to prophesy, I also want people to feel protected. Do you understand? There's been some bad prophetic words spoken over the years. And so, we we don't want to limit prophecy in that sense, but we also want the receiver of prophecy to have the ability to say, I don't receive that. And to know how to do that. This is just, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. This is, I'm a pastor who's trying to protect people. You understand? I want you protected. I want you safe. I want you to know the difference between right and wrong as it relates to prophetic words. And I want to teach you how to do that. Okay? So, so this, is, this is where we're at with that. So how do you receive a prophetic word. How do you know or how do you determine if a prophetic word is from God? What, what do you do? I want to start off by looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you'll turn there in your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Starting in verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. How do we quench the Spirit? Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Or another way of saying that is as if they have no value. In essence, honor prophecy. Okay? Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. This is what we're going to talk about. How do you test a word from God? Because I've seen people endure friendly fire. Their brothers and sisters are firing at them and taking them out or messing them up a little bit, and it's not necessary. I heard a prophecy years ago was spoken over a woman who was pregnant. And this is like the classic example. I think it's been shared here several times before, but this woman was pregnant. This was her second child. And um, expecting the child, the, the first child was healthy and fun and growing and doing good. The second child, someone came and prophesied over, over this woman something to the effect of, this child is going to be a hellion. Like, this child is going to give you all kinds of trouble and this and that. Um, and if I don't get it exactly right, I think the point is that that was not encouraging. Could you imagine carrying a baby for months and months thinking, oh, well, God spoke to me, and uh, this is not good, and being under the torment of carrying that kind of information? That would be a kind of word that you, you throw away, okay? You don't carry that word because it doesn't fit the qualifications of love, edification, strengthening, and comfort, right? Okay, so 1 Corinthians 19.21 says, Don't quench the spirit, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Prophecy from people is not infallible. The word of God is infallible. Prophecy is not equivalent to the word of God. Okay? But God uses prophecy. And people who give a bad word are not false prophets. We don't stone people. They need to get it right. Okay? They need to get it right. So... So here's just a quick uh, three things to think about when you receive a word of God. When you receive a word of God, if if it rings true to you, if you feel like, Man, that was right on. That's exactly what I've been talking to God about. Uh, This person nailed it, you know. um, uh, And you know this, this was for me in this season. It meant something. It was very meaningful to me. You table it. That means you put it. You, you keep it in front of you. The Bible says, hold on to it. You, you hold on to it. So there's three different responses. You, you table it, you shelf it, or you trash it. Okay? Table it meaning hold on to it. Like this, I, as much as I know, it bears witness with, what, with what's going on in, in this moment in my life. I believe it. I receive it. Um, you, you table it. You you, you hold on to it. You, you keep it in front of you, right? And we'll talk about that further. But secondly, shelving it, putting it on the back burner, like, ah, you know, I, I think that was from God, but I'm not 100% sure, or it, 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 it could be so far in the future, I just don't know what to do with it, and um, it doesn't make total sense to me. You're not sure that it's accurate. You can shelve it, meaning you set it aside, you just you let it sit and let God do what he's going to do there, okay? Um, um, meaning you don't have to act on it immediately. There's no actions necessary except prayer, lifting it to God and saying, God, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this, but, you know, if this is from you, I, I'm going to trust that you're going to do something with it because I'm your servant and I'm totally surrendered to you. We shelve it. So either we table it, we shelve it, um, or we trash it. We throw it in the trash. We reject it. I, I don't like that word that I shared with you earlier. We, I don't receive that word. That is, not, that is not from God. That is not for me. And I move on. Does this make sense so far? 
Okay, so let's, let's talk about testing it now. Let's talk about what, what, when, uh, when Paul writes to Timothy, test it. Or actually to the Thessalonians, test them all. Here's some, some things that you can think about. This is how I deal with it. There, there's probably a lot of different ways to process this. But this is how I would deal, it, deal with it. And it's four W's, okay? So um, a good way to remember how to deal with this is four W's. First one is the word. Does what, you, what was spoken to you align with the word of God? This is so very important. Does, does it align with the word of God? Co- prophecy will never contradict the word of God. It'll never contradict the word of God. So, so you, we have a fail safe in trusting God's word. Right? We, we can go to the word of God. And it's, if it's speaking opposite or contradictory to the word, um, God will not say one thing in prophecy and another thing in his word. You just need to know that. So the first W is the word of God. All right? And if it, if it contradicts the word of God, what do we do? Trash it. We're, we're throwing it in the trash. Right? Burn it. Okay, you could do that too. <laughs> uh, on a side note, it's good... It's good to record, if you have the ability, to record what is spoken to you. Because then you could go back. Because in the moment, you might not remember all the details and and remember it. And this is also a good way to share it with people that you trust. Bring it to a pastor. Bring it to someone who's mature in the faith. You understand? If If you're not able to record it, sit down and write it down as soon as you can. Trying to capture all of the details. Okay, I, I want you protected. I, I, don't, I want to avoid friendly fire. You understand this? I, I want you safe. I want you growing. But in the process, there are times that people may miss something. In fact, um, there, was a, there, was, there were guests here last week that uh, uh, are not a part of this church that were prophesying over people. And I didn't hear from the people they prophesied whether it was good or bad. I don't know. But as a pastor, I can't help you by not hearing from you about that. But I can help you here by saying this is the way you test the Word of God. Okay? So we, we bounce it off the Word of God. We, this is how you test the prophecy. We bounce it off the Word of God. Secondly, the second W is witness. Does it bear witness with your spirit? You know, all of us who are born again, followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit of God living in us. And the Spirit does bring peace to us. And, and there's times when we're hearing something, it's just, it's hard to describe, but it's called a witness. Is there, is there something inside of you that's saying yes? Is it saying yes or no way? That, that, is, not, that is not from God. Is there something inside of you that's saying uh, saying to you, bringing peace or bringing comfort or, or encouraging you to say, yes, this is God. So, so we have the word of God. We have the inner witness from God. Amen? So we first take it to the word of God. Um, 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy. Oh, actually, we're, yeah. Uh, so... Actually, before we go to 1 Timothy 1.18, I, I skipped ahead a little bit. I just want to finish one thought. Um, it's important, even as you're learning to trust that witness, to take a word to counsel. I, I always encourage people, before you prophesy over somebody, or before you receive a prophecy, make sure there's, there's another person there. Because not only do you hear it, but another person hears it. I just think it's dangerous to pull someone over in the corner and say, this is what God's saying to you. I, I don't know. I, if it's God, you should be comfortable enough to make it public, make it public with someone, uh, someone else that you trust. You understand? So I would say it's safest to have another person alongside so that they can confirm what's said or being said in the process. Um, so, word, witness. Um, and then, you know, we begin to walk it out, especially if we receive it as 
something from God. If, if it's something that we believe God is speaking to us, we, it lines up with the word, it, it lines up with the spirit inside of us. Um, many times we have a part to play in the, in the prophecies we've received. So in 1 Timothy, this is where I was trying to get to, 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, from Paul writing to Timothy, it says, Timothy, my son, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So he's recalling to Timothy things that were spoken to him, prophetic words that were spoken to him, okay? He said, I'm going to command you now based upon stuff that was spoken over you This is what he says. He says, so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. So here, Paul is calling Timothy to fight for something. Paul's calling Timothy, in line with the prophecies you've spoken, I want you to contend. I I want you to recall what was spoken over you, and I want you to begin going for whatever was spoken. I I don't have that right here right now. But I, I... You received words, now I want you to go for it. So there was action. Paul was calling Timothy to action. Do you see this? Paul was calling Timothy to action based upon a prophetic word. Now, Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. Okay? But many times, words, prophetic words, come with some level of action required by us. You know? It's some level of response by us. Sometimes... You know, um, something spoken, and we, we need to begin to, first of all, receive it by faith, right? We, we receive the word by faith. We, we remain faithful to what God has revealed for as his will in our lives. Um, but the bottom line is if there's instruction in there and you've received it and you believe it's from God, you should do it. Because here's the deal. If God is waiting on you to take the first step to fulfill a prophetic word that was spoken over you, you're going to live a very frustrated Christian life if you're not doing anything with it. Like, I think sometimes people just hear it and they move on like it has no meaning, like they treat prophecies with contempt. You know, they treat it as if it has no weight or no meaning. Meaning, if it's from God and we receive it and believe it's from God, we should take action. You know? We, we, we should take action. And part of the action is this, watching what we say. Can I tell you something? Watching, what you say is important. Because um, in the words that we speak, we can, we can deactivate something that is God's will for our lives. Do you know that God's will isn't 100% always fulfilled in our lives? There's, there's plans and desires he has for us, but... There's, there's this element called faith that we're required to walk in. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, look at this. This is what it says. For we also have had the, the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, they meaning the Israelites who left Egypt. They were going to the promised land. This is the context of the scripture. They were heading to the promised land. Right? But the message they heard was of no value to them. They heard a message of hope. They heard a message of promise. I'm going to take you to this land flowing with milk and honey. The message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. You understand? So faith is an element to activating the word of God over our lives. The word of God meaning the Bible. Okay? Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Are you with me? Like, faith is an, is an element of response that we were required to, to um, live out, right? We have to have faith to see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives, right? Even, even as early as salvation, you have to have faith to believe that you're saved, Right? But each step of this journey, faith is required. In the same way, there are times as the prophetic word is released, faith is required. It's the activator, if you will. It's it's required to activate that word over your life. This church 
has had words spoken over, um, over, over it for years. Some of you may recall some of them. It was referred to as a hospital. You're going to be a hospital where sick, spirit, spiritually sick, emotionally sick, physically sick people are going to come and they're going to get healed. Anyone hear that word before? This, this church had um, a word spoken over it that there would be a room filled with wheelchairs and walkers and canes and, and things that people use to enable them to get around. And they're leaving them here because they got healed. Anyone hear that word before? Do you know it takes faith to activate these words? We can refer to them as a historical thing that was spoken, but that's not all that's required. Are you with me? This church also had a word prophesied over it that West Seneca Turnpike, as you look out in front, would be lined with so many cars, bumper to bumper to bumper, waiting to get into this place. Those are great words, right? We have yet to see them fulfilled. I'm waiting on God, but I also know that I'm applying faith to that. I'm reminding him of his promises, right? I'm saying, God, wait a second. Like, you spoke this. Was the, did someone miss this? Were they just hopeful and, and speaking in the flesh? Or was this from you? And if it's from you, which I received it that way, I am believing for it. And I'm, I'm believing that we're going to see it with our own eyes someday. Amen? So we're activating by faith. We're activating by faith the prophecy spoken over us. This is what I'm talking about here. So the things that we speak, well, you know, I mean, we got to be careful what we speak. Like, well, you know, God said that. It ain't never happened. It never happened so far. Like, do you think that's faith-filled right there? Do you, you get the difference? Like, wait a second, God. I received that as a promise. I'm believing that was your promise to us. So we stand by faith. There are people um, of old that, that hurt, had things spoken to them that it took years before fulfillment. Think of Joseph. He had the dream, the coat of many colors handed to him by his father. He goes out and he, he shares this dream. And, um, you know, his brothers persecute him for it. They sell him in, off as a slave to a foreign land, you know. But there was this thing where he saw... He saw, uh, I, forget, I think it was like the sun and the moon bowing down to him. You know, it was, it was symbolic of his father and his, his brothers honoring him for the position he, he sat in. And they didn't receive it. And it was years, and he went through all kinds of craziness before he saw that fulfilled. He was imprisoned. He was wrongfully blamed by Potiphar's wife. You know, uh, he, was, he worked in Potiphar's house. I mean, all this crazy stuff. He did nothing wrong. But the day he held on to that, that promise, and there was a day that he stepped into the fulfillment of what God revealed to him. Uh, we see this in David. David's anointed king at like 16 years old or something like that. And it was many years. I mean, he's, he was hunted down by Saul and by Saul's army like an animal. But it was many years later that the promise or uh, the, what was spoken to him by the prophet Samuel came to fulfillment. We, we see the same in Abraham's life. And, and so you can go on and on about faith is an important element. Another key element, this is not another W, this is still under walking it out, is we, we don't do anything with it unless we're directed with God. I, I wouldn't advise you to do anything unless God told you to do something, you know? Um, <laughs> when, when God said we're going to be pastors, we didn't like put our house on the market that day, you know? We, we had to wait on God's timing and God's direction and God, you know, God's counsel that he put over our lives, we were submitted to that. And, and we walked out the process. Do you know part of this whole thing is process where he changes us through that? David wasn't ready to be king. You know, but, but God, God was developing character and changing him through the process. Right? Joseph wasn't ready to be second in command of Egypt. But the process took, it, it was working in him. 
right? Trusting in God, uh, growing in maturity, growing in character. Sometimes, here's the last W, the weight is just what we need. So we bounce it off the word of God. Do we have a, the next one is witness. Do we have a witness in our spirit? We begin to just walk out whatever is necessary. That's the third W. The fourth one is the weight. Isaiah chapter 40 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something powerful about waiting. There's something powerful about the process of being refined by God. Uh, The meaning of wait is actually, it carries the idea of an active, expectant faith. It's not like I'm just going to go do something else until God finally fulfills whatever he promised me because he's so slow in doing what he... No, that's not... It's It's an active, expectant faith. We're holding on to God's promises. We're waiting on him. We're believing that he is going to come through. The Bible says that Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise, even though it was 25 or 30 years until the fulfillment of a child named Isaac came into his life. He didn't waver in unbelief in the wait. That's powerful. Amen? So listen, I, I, want, I want to close here, but I want us to understand that there's this tension in the Word of God. The tension is eagerly desire to prophesy. On the other side, it's you can't believe everything you hear. <laughs> That's the tension. But there's a process for finding out if God is speaking to you. And we all want God to speak. Can I tell you, when I have a prophet come here, the place is packed. I had an evangelist friend come to teach a seminar. There were 12 people at it. We want to hear someone speak over us. We want to hear the man of God or the woman of God prophesy over us. But we don't want to learn how to win the lost. That's my, that's my summary. Listen, we were created to speak over each other. We were created to hear from God ourselves. And so in just a minute, I'm just going to ask God to activate and release people to hear his voice afresh and anew, not only for ourselves, but for other people. Amen? The body of Christ needs encouragement. The world needs to hear that God has not forgotten them. Right? God is moving in this place, and God is moving on the earth. And it's time for us to say, stand up again and say, you know, I want in God. I want to be a part of what you're doing in these days. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And let's just, let's just, I know we're, we're getting ready to dismiss and all that stuff, but let's just find a moment before the Lord. Just close your eyes if you're, if you're comfortable doing that, and let's just wait on the Lord for a second. This is a holy moment. God, sometimes, Lord, sometimes we get so focused on us. And you're telling us, yes, take care of you. But also don't forget people around you. Don't forget that there's people around you that are hurting that are crying out to God, that are believing for things. And Lord, you tell us to earnestly desire this gift. And so today, God, we come before you, God. First of all, I just repent, God, because, Lord, I know that you want to speak more than I've allowed you to speak through me. I know you want to encourage and strengthen and comfort people more than I've allowed And for that, I repent. And you could do the same if you feel the same way. But today, God, Lord, we ask, God, as you direct in your word, that we would be people that hear from you. We would be people that hear your voice. People of the word of God. That know you. 
and have experience in the quiet place. And Lord, that we would see people not through our eyes, but yours, God. And Lord, in love, we would share what you're sharing to us with them. Lord, I just release a spirit of prophecy over your people, Lord, that we would be hearers, hearers, hearers of the voice of God for ourselves and for others. I ask that you begin to move, God, and even, even, even if it's for the first time in our lives, God, that we would we'd begin to understand that you're doing something, God. We get counsel from you. We get counsel from your word. Lord, I ask that you begin to change the environment, that this would be, there'd be a prophetic culture here. And that your name would be honored. Lord, we love you today, God. We love you today, God. We want you to have your way in our lives and in this place, God. If you're here today and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, today is a good day to do that. Today's a good day to do that. We'll have ministry workers here, but really the bottom line is surrendering your life to him to say, God, I've tried to do it on my own and I can't. I need forgiveness. I repent from all the things I've done wrong that have offended you and I come to you and ask for forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. I receive your welcoming arms bringing me into your family. And I choose to do that today. And if that's you, Please come and share with a ministry worker. We'd love to know and help you along in this journey. But let's be people who seek the voice of God for ourselves and for others and not settle, not be settled by not hearing. And we thank you for what you're doing. God, I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If we could have the ministry team come on up. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great Sunday.